You're listening to GeekWire from Seattle, Washington on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and GeekWire.com. All right, everybody, it's time to get geared up from GeekWire.com in Seattle. I'm Todd Bishop here with Andrew Edwards. Yes, we are back from Las Vegas. That's right. How'd your trip go? It was crazy. Yeah. CES. It was CES uh, 2017, obviously, the biggest consumer electronics trade show in North America. It was easy getting out there. It was a fun time in Vegas. But getting home, I had a crazy fiasco I was telling you about. Um, I had three flights canceled. No, one flight canceled, two flights that I couldn't make it on to despite being promised that I could, one flight delayed, and then finally got on one to get home. But it was it was nuts. Was it the weather coming back from Seattle that there was a problem? No, believe it or not, it was actually, um, it all snowballed from the the shooting incident in Florida. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, so oh, the original okay. flight I was supposed to be on was a plane that was supposed to come from there, come from Florida to Las Vegas that was going to then take me home to Seattle. And apparently, you know, once you think about it, it starts to make sense. Like, even if one major airport is shut down or grounded, all those planes are supposed to go to other places gotcha. to pick people up. And, you know, that kind of messes up the whole dynamic of travel for that day. So overall, we're, by the way, in just a moment, we're going to dive into our top 10 CES t- picks of the year. Yeah. Andrews and mine, we each picked five of our favorite products from this this year's CES. Overall, what do you think of the quality of what you saw at the show this overall, year? Overall, I mean, it felt like a year in transition, I guess, yeah. to me. Um, you always have the impressive TVs. That's just part of CES, and those were nice. Um, that one of them is actually in my top five uh, picks. Um, but for the rest of it, like there was nothing that really stood out to me as this is the year of this. It's more of this is where we're trying to get to, which I guess is really you know what CES is all about. So right. virtual reality, artificial intelligence, a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff was still in kind of a nascent form. Right, at, right. At uh, a lot of autonomous this. driving. Right. You know, all this stuff that is like we're on the cusp. So you can kind of see, okay, we're almost there in a bunch of different places. And when this all ties together, um, it's going to be exciting. And I guess that's actually cool because we're getting to see, you know, a shift in technology and uh, consumer electronics. But it's just like. It's not there yet. And I guess there's always a complaint because there's the CESs that you have that are like this. And then there's the ones where it's like, we already have all this stuff. It's just a rehash of right. what we but it's, so it's like you can find anything to complain about, I guess. All right. So we are streaming live on Facebook. We're also recording this for broadcast on Cairo Radio and our weekly GeekWire podcast. You're listening to Geared Up with Todd Bishop and Andrew Edwards. Let's jump in now with our top ten from CES. All right. All right. Let's so go ahead. Andrew, you're, you're kick this off, or am I kicking this off? It's, the first oh, one is that's yours. Me. This is this is that's me. It, this is no ordinary TV. This is the LG, mm-hmm. and they, the code name was Wallpaper. Right, right. right. How how thin is this, this TV? Is the, this is the LG W series OLED. I I believe W stands for Wallpaper. I'm not sure, but they uh, affectionately call it their Wallpaper TV. This is 2.5 millimeters thin, which I mean, if you're someone like me, that really means nothing to you. But if you stack three quarters together, three 25-cent quarters, that is thicker than wow. this TV. I, so, I, I saw somebody put their house key up next to it, and it was just a fraction thicker than a house key. So, so this TV is so thin, it's a, but it's, it's not like lacking in features. It's full-featured, great picture, um, and all that. It's OLED, so it doesn't need a backlight. So that's why it can be so thin. But it's so thin, in fact, that if you 
if you pick one up and they're going to be pretty expensive, I'm going to assume they haven't announced pricing yet, but it's probably going to start at ten thousand dollars yeah. for sixty five inch, probably go up to twenty for seventy seven, and that's just a guess. But there's no stand for this TV. So another reason they call it wallpaper is if you pick one up, it has to be wall mounted. It's so thin that if you place it in a stand, this is going to wobble. <laughs> so you got to place it against the wall so you have some structure to it. And then what you see down here, um, for those listening on the podcast, below the TV is a sound bar. This comes with the TV because that's where all of the, the guts, basically, that would go into a typical TV lie. So this is a sound bar with Dolby Atmos, surround sound, so that's cool anyway. If you, have a, if you have your own surround sound system, you can bypass that. But you can't get rid of this ever because this is where you're going to plug in all your peripherals. So you're not going to plug in like your, you know, your Xbox into the TV itself. You plug it into the sound bar, and there's one single invisible cable that goes up to the TV. So I thought that was amazing. It has HDR10. It has Dolby Vision. Um, it has HLG. HLG broadcast HDR as well. So it's basically any flavor of HDR, 4K, um, amazing picture. Oh, and the 65-inch version is 17 pounds as well. So like a 17-pound TV, like it's less than two bags of rice. It's it's insane. So definitely. So so that's the LG W series. LG W series OLED. Okay. Yes. And and again, if that's too expensive for you, they they have other OLEDs as well. So, I mean, any LG OLED TV is pretty impressive. Um, so the G series or the E series, you can just bump down and not, you don't have to get something that goes up on your wall to get a great TV. This is one of those where I look at it and it's primarily a headline grabber. I think they're going to get more news stories out of this than actual sales, but they get the LG name out as sort of an innovative, innovative company. Right, right. And they were, you know, they, for the past few years, they've been the, not, not just the leader, but almost the exclusive, um, provider of LG or rather of, uh, OLED televisions. And now they have some competition coming out from uh, Sony in particular. So it'll be interesting to see where OLED starts to go. But this was your favorite TV of the show. This is my favorite TV. This was, I mean, just because of how cool, like you said, it's the headline, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the imagery. It's the headline. It looks amazing. But again, you know, if you're looking for a TV and you have money to spend, you don't have to get this. You can get another OLED TV. that It'll look just as good as this. It'll just have a stand instead of being you know, a piece of wallpaper on your wall. Yep. Okay, good. All right, that's number one. Counting down our top 10 mm-hmm. CES picks, although in no, no particular order. No particular order. Although it's pretty high up there. All right. <laughs> so this, have you seen this? What the heck is this? This is the Mattel Aristotle. It is essentially, oh. it is an echo for the kids' room. So it's got a built-in video camera. This can be a, a reading light, a night light basically anything. And the way they've done it is it moves generationally. So it has certain features for preschoolers, for, you know, young elementary school age, and then going on. And this can run Cortana. It also has uh, some Alexa capabilities in it. I mean, this thing is kind of like the... Yes. It has has both Cortana and Alexa. It uses Cortana voice services, if I understand correctly, but then it also has in the parental mode, some Alexa capabilities too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is, uh, I think $300 is going to be coming out in June, but here is my favorite feature of this device. As a parent, Mm -hmm. you can program it to only respond when your kid says, please. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's so, fantastic. That is that is one of my favorite. I just, just in terms of simple innovation, that's why it made my list. Right. It just sort of reinforcing. I, I got into some debates with people who said, well, you don't want the AI doing the parenting for you, but it's not parenting. It's it's reinforcing what right, the parents right. are teaching. Exactly, exactly. Now, now, can the parent also require that adults need to say please? Because it's 
Not that, just do as I say, right? Do as I do. That would be nice. That's that's, that's very interesting, and I guess. Um, so you said it has different modes for different generations. Is that an automatic thing, or do you just set it up that way? I'm not sure on that. So I, I, I'm not sure exactly how it'll work. Um, they, I, this, this was one that they announced there. I'm not sure that they actually showed it. Uh, okay. But this is, uh, this is essentially what what the the, the idea is. What right. the concept is. That's cool. Is. That's yeah. cool. Like I, I'd love to see voice recognition get to a point where. Um, it really recognizes voice. Right now, it's yes. more like word recognition, I guess, or phrase recognition, but not so much voice. It doesn't like, you know, if my son asks it a question versus me, it doesn't know, right. oh, that's this person and that's that person. Right. So I'd love to see uh, something where it actually can recognize our voices and kind of tailor itself to us. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that is the Mattel Aristotle. Part of a wave of kids' technology that I saw, at yeah. least. There was quite a bit of technology aimed at kids, not just toys, but things along the lines of artificial intelligence. Right, right. Good Even example this here. Some, this is tech aimed, you know, at kids, but also for, for parents to, right. you know, use with kids, which I like. All right, so that's number two. Number three, this is Alexa. Alexa. In, in a, in a, a good Ford. Segue. A good segue, yes. No, I didn't. But oh, well. so, so <laughs> Alexa was really the story of the show in yes. many ways. What did you think of the the presence that Amazon's artificial intelligent assistant had. It's at crazy. Show. Yeah. I didn't. Re- I actually didn't realize that this is what Amazon was doing, um, because you don't see, you know, well, you mentioned Cortana a minute ago in a third party product, but you don't see like Siri is an Apple product, right? And my understanding was that Alexa would be in Amazon's products, Cortana would be in Microsoft products, but Amazon is like, hey, we we want our assistant to be everywhere. Um, and that is smart because that then makes it the de facto assistant, right? If you buy, I made a list over here. So obviously this is a vehicle, right? But Alexa is going to be in LG refrigerators and LG smart robot. Um, LG is making their own. It looks just like an echo, but better right. sound. The Aristotle you mentioned, Westinghouse TVs, alarm clocks, the Huawei Mate 9 smartphone, Ford Fusion, uh, Ford F-150, Whirlpool washers, dryers, ovens. Samsung's Roomba competitor, um, Dish Network Hopper DVR. I mean, yep. this is this is crazy. Like anywhere, like basically anywhere in your home, you can have Alexa capability. Just speak out loud, and there might be something in the room that can understand you, which is so smart. That's right. That's and so, so cool. in a lot of these devices, Alexa is actually built in. Then, of course. Alexa-enabled devices can interact with other devices in the smart home. Right. So you don't necessarily have to have the brains of Alexa inside your device, but there's just all mm-hmm. sorts of integrations. Um, I heard a presentation by Charlie Kindle, who directs the Amazon Alexa smart home at CES, and he was saying he has 200 Alexa-connected devices in his house. Of course, he would have to be the showcase for that in that right. kind of position, sure. but it just speaks to the fact that there are tons of these connected devices out there that you can run through Alexa, in addition to having Alexa inside a lot right. of other and that's devices. a good point. That's a good point. So, like, I have, you know, a bunch, I don't know, 20 Hue light bulbs throughout my house. Those can be controlled by Alexa. They, they don't have Alexa built in, but if I have something that Alexa, you know, that I can talk to, I can control pretty much all the lights in my home. So, I mean, imagine, you know, you have your refrigerator in the kitchen, and you ask it for help with the recipe, and then you ask it to, you know, set your your oven, because, you're, again, you're in the kitchen, and the, it can talk to the oven. You're watching. How is the washer and dryer doing? I mean, this is just this is next level like Jetson stuff. Like this yep. is what I mean. Like we're on the cusp of something really cool. We're not there yet, but Amazon is doing a really good job at getting us there. At least with the the voice assistant stuff, which you know 
you know, I don't think we're ever going to see Siri built into a refrigerator. I, I think this is going to force Apple's hand. I think they're going to have to open up Siri in just the way they op- they opened up the iPhone. Well, I guess you're talking about different, different analogies. Yeah. yeah, but they need something to extend the capabilities of Siri in the same way that apps can extend the capability of the iPhone. Right. Turning Siri into much more of a platform is going right. to be key. And, of course, you got some third-party apps that can do it uh, on the iPhone or the, the Mac. Yes. Uh, but at but any rate. It, yeah, it's, it's a it's – a, it's not there yet, but I mean, Amazon is obviously far and ahead. And, you know, I think this also shows, you know, because Apple can be very stubborn, yeah. obviously. If Apple decides to keep Siri on its own devices, which they very well may do, um, that gives an opening to, I think, companies like Google and Microsoft yeah. to kind of put allow theirs to be on more devices. The the, the analogy, the, maybe the better analogy is like the smartphone OS where Android can run on a wide variety yeah. of devices from a variety of hardware makers and Siri is on Apple devices. Right, right. So, yes. All right. Okay, so that's story number three. That is Alexa. Uh, it's really dominating CES. Number what four. We got here. So this was a general trend that I, that I saw a lot of and that was glasses-free augmented and virtual reality. Oh. This was one example from a company called Kinomo. Okay. I actually spent a lot of time over in Eureka Park. I stayed away from a lot of the the big glitzy booths and let other folks on the team go over there. This was the startup zone at CES. Uh, For people who can't see this, it's essentially objects floating in the middle of the air. The the way this worked is you can't see them in the picture and you can't see them in real life, but there's a bunch of blades. In those blades are programmable LEDs. So that then creates this moving animation, and it looks like, you know, virtual reality without glasses. So this was a a key trend that I saw. There was also another company there uh, that was doing something similar, but with a a desktop, uh, basically sort of creating something out of like Star Wars, a hologram on the desktop. So that that to me was an interesting trend, and it's kind of what you were talking about earlier, where they were showing sort of what's to come. Yeah, you know, this actually has real world applications that people use already. Now, what, what, what? Where would this come into play? Like, where would you use this? Yeah, so say you're at like a, a retail uh, display and yeah. you walk into a store. This kind of thing could be there. Um, maybe it's at a well at a trade show booth, right? <laughs> yes. show, showing off your different products or anything. But obviously, this was a demo, and you were there in person. Yeah. So what I'm looking at here is a picture. So when you saw it in person, yep. Did it actually it, look? It looked real. It looked really. Like, it looked what? like virtual reality objects. Wow, floating in the air. It that's was. Amazing. It was very effective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's Kenoma. number four. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Moving on. Oh yes, the Lumix GH5. Now there are tons of cameras mm-hmm. at CES. This is uh, this is obviously from Panasonic, yes, right? It is. Yes. So what was special about this camera that got it onto your list, Andrew? Oh man. Well, full disclosure. First of all, Panasonic was one of my sponsors this year for CES. However, um, I was looking forward to this uh, way before I even talked to them about that. I knew about six months ago that this was probably going to be released or not released, announced at CES. And so this one might be a little more technical for most people, but this is essentially the the follow-up to the Panasonic GH4, which was a very popular camera. Uh, For someone like me who does video a lot, this is basically the DSLR to get if you want to do like next level video. So if you want to do 4K HDR stuff, it can do that. It does unlimited recording. Usually DSLRs will record for 20 to 30 minutes. And then like for some legal weird reason, they have to stop because they're not a camcorder and there has to be some sort of distinction. This can do unlimited uh, 4K 60p. It has two SD card slots. I mean, five axis. Um, 
image stabilization. And again, I might be getting a little technical here, but is, for all intents and purposes, for $2,000, what you get with this camera is pretty impressive. I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be my next camera because obviously I do a lot of videos and I already have the lenses for it since I have uh, another Lumix. But it was the camera of the show. This year, there was not a lot of exciting camera stuff. There, there was like very small incremental updates. And that's probably because there's that other show, Photokina, now, right. where they do a lot of the big camera announcements. But for, as far as CES goes, if you, if you search for, like, the best camera of CES or whatever, it's this. It's the Lumix GH5. And if you watch me on YouTube, you'll see some big visual improvements there. Nice. Okay, yeah. very cool. Good. We are talking about our top 10 from CES. It's Todd Bishop and Andrew Edwards here on Geared Up on GeekWire. And we're going to be right back after a very quick break. You're listening to GeekWire. All right, everybody, it's time to get geared up from GeekWire.com in Seattle. I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm Andrew Edwards. We are counting down our top 10 picks from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Andrew and I are both basically fresh off the plane. Right. Me, maybe more fresh than him after the uh, ordeal that he went through <laughs> to get home. <laughs> so let's let's go on to our next product. We've counted down five so far. All right, where are we at? And here. Okay, so this is one of mine, and it represents more of what a theme. What is that? That, this is the that looks like a garbage can. <laughs> it, it, it's either a garbage can or an ice chest on wheels. <laughs> this is a delivery drone. Oh, it is a sidewalk delivery drone. So yeah, it, for people who can't see this, it's essentially a an ice chest on wheels, on six wheels. It's autonomous. Okay, and they've got this rolled out in a few different cities. This is the Starship. Right they, yeah, starting in Europe. They, I think they've been doing some testing. I told them, I asked them how autonomous is it, and they said about ninety nine percent autonomous. The big problem it has is with uh, intersections, okay, which is a big problem. Sure. <laughs> that that said, sense. this this plays into that whole trend, and the idea is you order something. They're using it a lot for food delivery right now. Okay, makes sense. It rolls up to your door. You have a code, just like you would with an Amazon locker. It's delivered to your smartphone, so only you can unlock this particular Starship that okay. would roll up to your door. It take out your food, close the lid. And uh, it goes on its way back to the that's, restaurant or distribution warehouse. That's cool. Um, wow. Robotics in general were something that was a big trend for me in, in terms of some of the things that I saw and liked. Also, there was the robotic window washer that's become <laughs> real popular in China because it replaces the functions of that's the people nice. outside the windows. Yeah. yeah. So stuff like that. I think Amazon is going to acquire one of these companies it, or, or develop their own robotic rolling autonomous delivery drones. I wonder what the... Um legalities are something like this yeah like versus the drone delivery where it's you know they have to worry about the air the airspace right this is just you're just putting something on the ground and it's just rolling somewhere right so it might be a state-by-state state, like department mm, of motor vehicles okay. issue oh that, wow you know That's or hilarious. maybe even a city-by-city city ordinance based on what you can roll on the sidewalk yeah this is cool like i guess I'm, the only thing i'm skeptical about is like will someone just see that rolling along like let me just grab that and like hit it with a sledgehammer and take out whatever's inside oh it's just a carton of milk oh well they must have some security precautions at least in terms of the lid opening but yeah. you're right in terms of just picking it up and running well they must have gps yeah, throughout sure, I'm this sure thing it does. that's just cool though like i'd love to see i'd love to see stuff like this you know start start happening like whether it's this or the drone delivery or a combination of both that's um it sounds really cool i'm also curious about just like the traffic aspect yep. like are we just going to look up in the sky you know in 10 years and just see a bunch of amazon drones and boxes right. all over the place and like that'd be kind of weird um but this yeah. is great. Like I love, I love this. I mean, we we we're lucky enough to live in the Seattle area right. where we have Prime now, 
where you can place an order on your smartphone and 30 minutes, an hour later, it's at your door, right. which is which is still blows my mind. And that's that's a human being doing it. Right. So to get these autonomous things doing that is awesome. That's crazy. Okay, good. All right, so moving on to our next one. Oh, man. The Faraday. Faraday Futures FF. Is it FF16? What so, is this? So for people who aren't seeing this, describe, describe this car. Well, um, this slide is all about the autonomous driving trend. That was my pick yes. for this one. But this in particular is the Faraday Future FF91 vehicle. So this is out of a company named Faraday Future, which apparently is in some sort of financial trouble. I don't really know. Question, questions about their solvency long yeah. term. And CES for them was in some ways a way to prove to investors mm-hmm. that they had what it takes to basically drum up enough attention to right. get some orders. It's, it's This is like a high-tech Tesla competitor. Yeah, yeah. So, so last year, they kind of underwhelmed people because they came out with like a super, super, super high-end, almost like a race car, and no one, no one's buying that. So this year, they had to come out with something that would be at least within reach of the average consumer. That's what this is. Um, it's the FF91. It is a Tesla competitor. It's something that I would expect to probably cost in a neighborhood of $100,000. So it's still, you know, even though I say consumer level, it's like very high-end consumer level. But they took people in some rides in this. It's autonomous. So that's it, this is built to be autonomous. So it's, you know, you get in there, you give it your destination, and it just, it just goes and takes, takes you where you need to go. Um, and it goes really fast. Apparently, it's supposed to be the fastest 0 to 60 car in the world. So... <laughs> And they actually raced it, or they they demonstrated it at their yeah. press event, going against like a Bentley and a couple yes, Teslas yes. and a Ferrari. Or so I mean, again, I don't know. Like for practical purposes, I don't care about zero to sixty, like in two point four versus two point six or two point nine. Like I'm not doing that. Right. Tesla's great. I'm a fan of Tesla. They're great. Um, but I don't want to just see one car brand doing that stuff. I want to see. A mixture, some competition, like, you know, is great in any industry. And so aside from Faraday Future, we saw um, Microsoft. I think you reported something on yep. Microsoft bringing Cortana to the car. Into the car. Um, we saw NVIDIA. They have their own platform now for self-driving. Obviously, Tesla has theirs. So autonomous driving was uh, it was there in full force at CES. A lot of companies are working on it. Um, I'm still unsure. You know, I'd love to see it happen, but I'm unsure, like, with all these different standards or whatever you want to call them, it seems like it's it it's not as safe as it could be if it was just, like, one standard that all cars followed. Yeah. This was certainly the most buzzworthy vehicle uh, of the show just because of the drama that this company's created. Yes. But then there was also the Chrysler Fiat minivan. Uh, yeah. The, the portal for millennials. Yes. Why do they call it for, I mean. The portal? Or the no, portal? for millennials. Yeah. Like, well, there's like selfie cams inside, and you can right. do carpool karaoke, and so. I, oh, that I did not know. That was interesting in part okay. because it was a concept car, and they did not unveil it at the Detroit Auto Show, uh-huh. which is going on now. I think right. They, they right. wait. They, they unveiled it at CES, mm. which is unusual for a lot of these automakers. You don't see the new concept cars at CES. Right. Right. So, so it's just a concept then. So it's that's not right. an actual thing that's right. being built. Okay. Well, that's that's unfortunate because again, I like I like seeing this stuff. Like this is not a concept. This is an actual Yeah, this is an actual vehicle that either will be built or they hope to get built if they can salvage their company and keep it running. Um but, you know, again, too 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 high price though. Like let's see some more of the lower priced um vehicles that are doing this stuff because 
you know, if you hasten the coming of safe autonomous driving, we'll see a lot less accidents and deaths on the highways. And so um, that's what excites me most about it. Yeah, very cool. Okay, moving on in our CES top 10. This is the Samsung Google Chromebook Pro. 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 And there's also a plus. The Pro runs on Intel architecture, x86. The the Plus runs on ARM. Okay. And so the whole idea here is it's the first Chromebook to ship natively with the Android App Store. Now, Uh. existing Chromebooks, uh, you can update to the Android App Store. But the other cool thing is it's also the first to come with its own stylus. So (laughs) (laughs) I got to try it out and it was pretty cool. So the whole idea here is that Google has done a lot of uh, predictive analytics to the point where they can guess where your pen stroke, your digital pen stroke is going to go. What? And use that much in the same way that they might guess where you're going to browse or guess which app you're going to open on a phone. Right. They can use that to make the drawing on the screen more more fluid. What the yeah, heck? That's what they say. Yeah. And it's also, it has OCR, optical character okay. recognition. So if you just scribble, then those words can be indexed right. and you can search your notes that's later. Nice. Yeah. So this is, uh, mm. the, the ARM version is going to start at 450 So the $450. So it's Not a, bad. it's a higher cost Chromebook yeah. though, because a lot of these Chromebooks are 200 bucks or yeah, something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I like the Chrome OS. I, I think they've been doing a good job with this. And, uh, you know, we're actually running Chrome OS on these monitors right yes, now. Yes, we are. So, uh, so is this your next computer then? Uh, I don't think it's my next <laughs> computer. It's not like a workhorse computer. Right. But in terms of a media and now uh, essentially a creation device with the pen or a business note-taking device, but you're not going to be editing any high-end video no, on this or anything no. like that. It's but, a browser. Like, that's my main problem with Chrome OS is that it's just a browser. Like, I've, I do have a Chromebook at home, not my primary machine by any means, but when I do start to use it, I very quickly feel like I'm hindered because I can't, you know, install an app or, you know, install a program like an actual native program. It's all a browser. It's a browser right. OS, basically. So if the majority of what you do is based in Google and you have an active connection, you're great. But I don't know. The the whole stylus thing like You're it sounds skeptic. cool yeah I'm, skeptic. I'm skeptical what you said does sound cool but i see this more as um someone who doesn't really i've always seen chromebooks as for people who don't really use computers all that much you know what i mean <laughs> like our grandparents yeah exactly or or like my yes. son or something yes. like he's in he's in middle school right. hey here's your chromebook like yeah you don't really need to really do some work you need to check so, email facebook maybe watch yes. a few videos right and maybe draw a picture now so i mean <laughs> okay. that that is cool don't get me wrong i do like the idea i just wish there was a little more to chrome os than what they offer so i thought about picking the dell xps 13 two and one oh which we talked about the, one we talked about the old one the old one they, they unveiled the new th- right two and one i got a chance for a little hands-on time where's with the that. webcam on that the webcam is still at the no. bottom of the bezel although the <laughs> nice thing is it's a two and one so it's oh, a 360 right. so when you flip it over into tent mode then the okay. webcam is on the top okay but I, I don't know. The whole webcam looking up under your chin is right, not, not, right. The, not the ideal scenario. So I, I had a hard time putting that on the list. What did you think of it, though, when you used it? It was fine. I love it. I mean, I love the Dell. It's, okay. it's, it's very nice. I like the existing XPS 15. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're going to go with a Windows machine, I, I think it's a good choice, webcam notwithstanding, webcam right. position notwithstanding. Um, but you actually have another computer on this list. So let's, oh, let's go to that. I want to talk about this one. Oh, my gosh. What in the heck is this? All right, guys. If you're not seeing this on 
the video on YouTube or the live stream. This is Razer's Project Valerie. What we're looking at is a is a laptop which has a 4K display, but on either side of it, or on both sides of it, however you got to say it, there's two more 4K displays. So you have three 4K displays in total coming out of this laptop. And the two side displays are like automated. So like robotically, when you open up, they robotically come out <laughs> on their own. So it's like a laptop with wings. Yeah. I mean, it's like for people who like to have multiple displays on their desktop, but are mobile. So you have 11,520 pixels going across by 2160 going down, which I mean, that is absurd. Razer is known for making great gaming right. laptops. So this is obviously, you know, optimized for gaming but at the same time like i do a lot of stuff with multiple monitors on my desktop i have my video editing or whatever i'm doing i have multiple displays this is cool it looks heavy to me i don't know i don't know what they how much they said it weighs but it's also um in a similar vein to the vehicles this is a concept right so it's not you know it's not finished it's not it doesn't it hasn't been announced with like a release date or anything um and in fact i don't know if you saw this or not but they Two of these got stolen. Yes, I did see this. So they made four. And <laughs> they two made of four them got prototypes. Stolen. Yeah. From CES. This from was one CES, of the stories at CES. That is so How does that happen? I don't know. I mean, it is. I mean, it's so crowded there, right? But I'm curious because it, they seem to imply, they don't know who it is, but one of their one of their thoughts was that maybe it's a competitor who wants to see what the technology is that goes into this. I don't know. Sort of espionage. It, I don't know. If that's the case, wouldn't you just take one? That's true. Let me just get one of these. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I, wow. I saw that story. That's totally crazy. I've never heard of anything getting stolen from CES. I'm before. sure things get stolen all the time from but there, but this is, this very is a high prototype. Profile. And you would also think, though, that being a prototype, similar to the drone we talked about a minute ago, you would have all sorts of like tracking mechanisms to know where exactly these things are that would be independent of them being powered on. Right. But they don't know where they are. Um, they're offering a $25,000 reward. So if you know where they are, <laughs> you can get a $25,000 reward for the uh, safe return of these Project Valerie machines. But what do you think? Would you use this? Yes. You would absolutely. use this? Absolutely. I, I love multiple monitors. Any kind of multi-monitor setup, I'm game to at least try. Okay. I assume this would be a Windows 10 machine? Yes, Windows. Yeah. This is not uh, This is not Mac. Um, but or, or Linux or anything. Oh like no, that. no, yeah, this would be def- definitely Windows because it's gaming, and if you're going to game on a PC, you're gaming yeah. on Windows. But yeah, I mean, it just looks impressive. That's why it was one I picked because it, it's it's one of those things at CES where you see it and you're like, this is unique to your booth. Like, there's a lot of things at CES you look at it, it's like, okay, I just saw ten of those just walking over through at the this Sony room. booth. Yes, right. So everybody <laughs> has this apparently, but they're the only ones that had this type of thing. So it was very impressive to me. Um, that is Project Valerie. So it's not even, again, not, doesn't even have a final concept. name. It's yeah. a concept car, basically. But I like it. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so I think we might be down to our final pick. Yes, this is it. And I wanted Ooh, to, for the this final... This does not look... <laughs> is this from CES 2017? <laughs> CES, uh, the original, 50 years okay, ago. Okay, yes. <laughs> so this is a typewriter, essentially, except it has an e-ink screen up on top. And it has a very cool mechanical keyboard, so it it feels very cool. Like a lot of a lot of people like the mechanical keyboards. Yeah, so you use it a lot. You tested I, it out. I tested it out. I went walked by the booth and saw this. It's called the FreeWrite, and the whole idea here is if you're a book author, you're writing your thesis, 
you don't want the distractions of being on your laptop with all the notifications. Uh, you know, your phone rings now, your laptop yeah. rings, um, or your desktop and computer, whatever. You don't want a connected computer. That said, if you look in the upper right, there's a Wi-Fi toggle. So you can turn it on and then sync your content to Dropbox, for example. Okay. So it's very accessible. But essentially, you are typing on an e-ink screen, just like you would on a Kindle, just like you would wow. be reading on a Kindle. So how much would you pay for this? Okay, so I just want to make sure I have it clear. <laughs> so there, there is some sort of folder manipulation over there. Yeah. So you but, can store stuff away. Yep. You have Wi-Fi and you have a mechanical keyboard and an e-ink display, and that's pretty much it, right? That's, yep, that's, that's it. I would, I would look to pay no more, no more than $199. Oh, wow. Okay. So $500 reta what? retail Why? price on this Why? The, it's it's the concept, I think. The uh, No. <laughs> Would you pay that much? Yeah, probably. What? <laughs> if, if I had the disposable income to be thrown around like that. I mean, you it's, could, it's such a novelty. You get that Chromebook you just showed me a minute ago for $500. <laughs> it comes with a keyboard, and you can just turn Wi-Fi off. Yep, that's right. I'm double so, checking to make sure that I got the cost right, but I, that's uh, yep, five hundred dollars. So come on, free right guys. <laughs> I'm sure. Now this is a relatively small company. I think that in part you're talking about low volume here that's causing that kind of high. Yeah, price. but it would be higher volume if it was a lower price. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, because it's cool. Like there's a cool there's a cool aspect to this, and the other aspect I could see for this something like this would be kids. Yes. Like okay, you have to write your report. You don't need a laptop with all the Facebooks and this and that, like you said, all those distractions. So you're going to write it on this. You have your display. You can sync it so you can check it on the computer later to make your yeah. final edits or whatever. Not for $500, yes. though. Yeah. Well, so, well, good. Well, we're wrapping up with some controversy, some pricing yeah. controversy here. What do you guys think of this? <laughs> what do you think? First of all, leave a comment below if you're watching this on YouTube, youtube.com slash gear life. Let me know what your favorite pick was out of our top 10. Yes. I'm curious what people thought about that. And second of all, how would you improve on what you think is the worst pick of our top 10? It might be this. I don't know. But how would you improve on that? Let us know what you think. And were you at CES? What did you think was the best thing over there? So overall, your, your impressions of CES, Andrew, would you, would you go back? Are you feeling, <laughs> are you feeling good? Well, I mean, i got to keep this streak going <laughs> right here. I've been there 12 years in a row. So even though this says 10 plus, which is technically correct, it should be in number 12. Yeah. So, yes, I'll go back because, I mean, this is what I do. Um but yeah, I think in a, a year or two's time, we're going to see that next big shift happening where, you know, all these different things are starting to converge together. Um, you don't need to have, you know, a physical, I have my Alexa in this room and I have my dot in this room and I have my, you know, yeah. it'll just be embedded in the things we already have, which I think makes much more sense than like adding extra things around the house. Just put them in, whether it's the TV or the fridge, the fridge, the, the fridge car, a great one. Yeah. Anywhere. Um, so it's very interesting. The car that drives you. So it's in the car that's going to drive you everywhere. So, hey, Alexa, drive me to the store. Or, hey, Alexa, send my car to the store without me in it <laughs> and pick up the groceries that I pre-ordered on my phone. Or, you know what or, I mean? Or send the, the robot delivery drone to, yes. to the store. That would be, or, you know, there's oh. all sorts of scenarios. Yeah, you can just your buy your own personal. drone. Yes. Buy your own drone. Right. And then I typed up the order that I want you to use here on my phone fake 
typewriter thing. So, by the way, on our last episode, we offered up a contest, a $50 Amazon gift card. What was card. the contest again? We asked people to submit their top tech trends for 2017, mm. and then we were going to randomly select okay. a winner for a $50 Amazon card. So I have that here. It's Brian Chow. Oh, what's uh, up, Brian? So Brian says, the best technology for 2017 will be continual improvement of home automation. Okay. I have a Google Home, and it is great in playing background music and checking weather for me on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. he's, you know, pretty low-level stuff that Right. satisfied with there he's going to be just impressed and impressed as it goes on right i was thinking the same thing like brian you can those are things you can just check real quick you can ask siri that stuff but uh yeah i mean congratulations so that's, that's fifty dollars right. that's fifty dollars we'll get check that your email yeah exactly check your email it's coming soon brian absolutely good job <laughs> all right so, so yeah like i said if you guys have any uh comments on this leave them below maybe we'll address those in our next episode as well. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. You're listening to Geared Up on GeekWire. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to GeekWire, an independent national technology news site based in Seattle, Washington. For news, events, podcasts, and more, visit us at geekwire.com.